If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to the book of Romans. There's no surprise there. Turn with me to the chapter, the 12th chapter, no surprise there. As we continue on in our series, what I call Gifts of Grace, as we continue to build upon this. It is such a blessing to see so many little ones. And again, while we're just like honest and confessing, um, we actually missed the birth of a little baby recently to announce. And so it is a joy to have Catherine Ann Motherball here as Daddy Jacob and Danielle. Uh, This is their first little one. And uh, because babies are coming fast and furious, that's a wonderful blessing. But sometimes we can miss. She was like covered up and we didn't even see like snuck in. So congratulations, Jacob and Danielle. And you are wise to bring them together to listen and to learn and to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We are blessed as a church. You look around And you just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst. Sometimes it is hard to transition, so I ask for patience and grace um, for me as we move into our series that I am excited about this one. Um, This is like a hand grenade, this particular gift. Okay, it's like a hand grenade. If it's treated wrong, it can be disastrous. So that's why we have to give very, very careful attention to the gift before us this morning. Would you bow your heads and and pray with me as we look into his word this morning. Father, we come before you and we acknowledge who you are. We are most grateful that you allow us access to you. That we can call you our, our heavenly father. Although you are so set apart and perfectly holy, we as sinners have access to your throne room through Jesus. And Father, it's in his name that we come to you and we ask that you would speak to us now. We thank you for your word that is absolutely perfect. It is sufficient for all of life. It is absolute truth in a world that is swirling in absolute confusion This is the foundation that we can build our lives upon. And we thank you. Father, I thank you for the presence of your spirit with us. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts and draw us, even in the midst of our many, many imperfections, draw us close to be a body of believers that is faithful for you. Or we do think right now of the people in Ukraine, literally millions of people who are under attack. And Lord, we can very quickly and easily just breeze through channels on the television. But may we be mindful of the fact that we've been blessed with freedoms and and grace and protection. I pray, Lord, that we would never take that for granted. Father, I pray that we'd be faithful in our prayers for lifting up those in such hardship. We pray especially for our brothers and sisters in Christ as they have the opportunity to speak into the most difficult of situations. Give them boldness and give them bravery and protection. Father, I pray for people that are here today in our midst, those that are listening 
online. I, I pray, Lord, for those that are struggling, that, that are discouraged, that are fearful. Lord, may you minister and may you guide. May you allow this time to be a time that is glorifying to you. Bless us now. Please help me as I'm in constant need of help. In your name we pray all of these things. Amen and amen. whole idea of spiritual gifts we've been looking at in this series is understanding the fact. We acknowledge that we are broken sinners in need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. When we've acknowledged and accepted Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior, He um, imparts His Spirit. The Holy Spirit abides inside of us. And there's a gift that is given, at least one. Many of you have multiple spiritual gifts. And we have a responsibility to use those gifts and exercise those gifts to build up the body of Christ. We call it to edify the body of Christ. And ultimately what happens, although there's differences represented, and it it can be hard and we step on one another's toes, when we work to see others first and the Lord before ourselves, what happens is that God is glorified. The church is built up and the name of Jesus is exalted. So there's this constant theme like this is really hard to do. And so we remember what? Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. We offer ourselves a living sacrifice. This is a lot about others. This is a lot about God. And this is a little about you. And we hold on to that. And I think, I think what this is week number 6 you can begin to see that God knew exactly what he was doing when he designed a local church. As different and as eclectic and as wild and weird as you all are, as I am, the different parts, the strengths, the abilities, the likes, the dislikes, the interests, yet we all function as one. The analogy that Paul gives is perfect. It's a perfect analogy. Listen to this in Romans chapter 12 verses 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, many parts. The members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Perfect analogy that is given on what this church looks like and how it is to function like a body functions. Many different parts, but what? One purpose. So just as we have what we have seen and we need people in our church that are gifted with the ability to serve, just as we need people that are gifted with the ability to teach or to exhort, we need people that are gifted at giving what happens with that? I tell you what happens. I, 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 get, I get a front row seat. I love, I love to see and to watch the local church as it is firing on all cylinders. It is beautiful. The greatest force, think about this, the greatest force for good in the world today is the local church of Jesus Christ. Don't ever believe for a moment the whispers and the lies that we hear in this world. Don't ever believe the church is irrelevant, it's out of date. Yeah, it's not going to last. It's going it's to collapse. Don't ever believe 
They are total lies. People, be assured of this. The government cannot and will not ever save you. You understand that? You understand as well that what? Politicians will never come to your rescue. Put in your trust in technological advancements and, and, and scientific what? Technology. It, it's not going to, it's not going to what? Bring you the ultimate sense of joy and purpose. We know that what? Working to save the environment. And we should be wise stewards of what God has blessed us with. Working to save the whales or the trees is never ever going to usher in what world peace and long awaited and certainly desired utopia that people are hoping for. No, that's not what's going to happen. You know what it is. It's, it's literally the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. The same one that is hovering over the waters in Genesis chapter 1. It is the Spirit of God that what? Came in in Acts chapter 2 like a rushing wind and sat his clothes, tongues of fire over people's head. It's that Holy Spirit that has come upon the people of God who are committed regardless of how difficult or dark it may look, are committed to obey the word of God and work every ounce, every bit of our energy to be faithful and obedient, to work for the glory of God. How do we do that? We hold tight to the gospel of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. That is the only hope of healing in a broken world. So we see like these bits and pieces and gifts like this is kind of, like, this is clunky. No, no, no. Look at what God is doing here. This is, this is his hands. You're his feet working for his glory. Don't, don't ever, ever doubt God's perfect plan that he delights in using imperfect people. It thrills him. Don't, don't ever shortchange the local church of Jesus Christ. Don't, don't ever for a minute miss out on the beauty of the bride of Christ. That, that's what's happening when all of the gifts are together firing on all syllables. Cylinders. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, says it like this. You, you are to be instruments in the hands of God. Yourselves, of course, actively putting forth all of your faculties and forces which the Lord has lent to you. But still, never depending upon your personal power, but resting alone upon that sacred, mysterious, divine energy that works within us. He continues in his work, lectures to my students, and he says this, we have felt the Spirit of God operating upon our hearts. We've known and perceived the power which he wields over human spirits, and we know him by frequent, conscious, and personal contact. That, that's, 
That's the Spirit of God working in and through and amongst us. That is an amazing picture. That's why it's so important that as we exercise the gifts that God has given to us, we do it in submission to the Holy Spirit. Nowhere do we see a gift more vitally important than this next spiritual gift. This, this gift, the gift of, of leading, the gift of leadership can be the greatest blessing in a church. Or else if it is functioning outside of the Holy Spirit, it can be the greatest disaster in the local church, leading people to absolute disarray and confusion. Our sixth gift in our series of the gifts of grace in our series in Romans 12, in our series in the book of Romans, is the gift of leading. It simply says this, the one who leads with zeal. Something, I just have an image. Now, I was writing, and you know how it happens. Like, boom, you get an image in your mind. Many of you have probably seen this image. October the 20th, 1944. Just a few hours after his troops landed, General Douglas MacArthur waded ashore into the Philippine island of Leyte. And we've seen this where his what? His, his khaki uniform is soaked up to his knees. His 50 mission hat is on, kind of tilted, and, and his Ray-Bans. And he is what? In this picture, he is fulfilling the promise that he made. Later that afternoon, he, on the radio, broadcasts, People of the Philippines, I have returned. And notice the look on his face, the square jaw. You realize, though, that there's always a story behind the story. Listen very carefully as I read to you a little bit more detail of that particular day. Aboard the USS Nashville, two miles offshore, a restless MacArthur could not wait to put his feet back on the Philippine soil at 1 p.m. He and his staff had left the cruiser to take the two-mile landing craft ride to Red Beach. MacArthur intended to step onto the dry land, but soon realized that their vessel was too large to advance through the shallow depths near the coastline. In aid, radioed the Navy beachmaster and asked that a smaller craft be sent to bring them in. The beachmaster, whose word was law on the invasion beach, was too busy with the chaos of the overall invasion to be bothered with a general no matter how many stars he wore. He barked, walk in, the water is fine, growling. The bow of the landing craft dropped and MacArthur and his entourage waded 50 yards through knee-deep water to reach land. Major Gatano Falance, an army photographer assigned to MacArthur, took photos of the general waiting ashore, and the result was an image of a scowling MacArthur, jaw set firmly with steel-eyed look as he approached the beach. But what may have appeared as determination was in reality anger. MacArthur was fuming as he sloshed through the water. He stared daggers at the impotent beachmaster who had treated the general as he probably had not been treated since his days as a plebe at West Point. However, 
MacArthur saw the photo, his anger quickly dissipated. A master at public relations, he knew a good photo when he saw one. History. It's, it's history for us. New American Standard translates the same phrase, the one who is in leadership, instead of zeal, it says, with diligence. NIV says, if it is to lead, do it diligently. The King James says, he that ruleth, same word, with diligence. New Living says what? Certainly taking the most liberty, as it sadly often does. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. I think one of the most accurate is the Weiss extended translation of the Greek New Testament says, the one who is placed in a position of authority with intense eagerness and effort. We combine all of those for a working definition. We've been, we've been working with definitions all the way through so we can define each one of these spiritual gifts. Here's the definition we're going to work with. The, the, the gift of leading is a spirit-given ability to clearly see immediate and long-range goals and execute effective plans that meet them. Sees a goal, meets a goal. Now let me say, before it goes to anyone's head, yeah, I think I might have this gift. I think I have the gift of leadership here. I think, I think the gift of leadership is, is simply seeing the obvious. We could talk about vision and, and goal setting and accomplishing and conquering. I think leadership is seeing the obvious, offering solutions and directions and vision to solve the obvious. See the obvious, solve the obvious. An older man walked through a lobby filled with people in church as he walked into the pastor's office. And everyone noticed that he was totally, totally bent over, just barely, barely making it as he had a cane with him. It wasn't 10 minutes later that the man walked out of the pastor's office and he was, he was almost what? He was almost walking upright and people were amazed. Like what, what happened in there? What, what gift of healing? What faith was demonstrated? What was the prayer like? The old man says there was none of that. He just gave me a cane that wasn't 12 inches too short like the last one I had. It's just what? It's just, it's just seeing the obvious and solving the obvious. The Greek word that is used here is prostomai. It means literally to lead, to rule over, to manage, to guide, to direct. I like this, to stand before. Remember exhortation was stand alongside of in the journey? This is one who's standing before. I think it's interesting to note in the New Testament, nowhere is this particular um, word used to describe Really, anyone with great positions of authority. It's not used to describe kings or governments, rulers or officials. Rather, what's interesting here is that it's the same term that is used to describe the responsibility of both the elder and the deacon when it speaks specifically about his responsibility of headship in the home and in the church. 
That's, that's how it's used. So let me give you a couple examples. For the office of the elder in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, it says he must manage, it's the same word in Greek, prostomai, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage, same word, his own household, how will he care for God's church? It's obvious the importance and the role. Bill referred to what? The primary role of husbands and fathers is to lead in what? In worship. Is to be the shepherd of souls and hearts that God is what? Entrusted into our care. It continues on. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, let the elders who, this time it's translated in English, rule. Same Greek word, prostomai, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. There's an authoritative responsibility that is given as this gift is to be exercised. Not only does it refer to the office of the elder, but it refers as well in 1 Timothy chapter 3 to the office of the deacon. It says what in chapter 3, verse 12, let the deacons each be the husband of, of one wife. It basically translates what? Be a one-woman man. He's not a womanizer. Let the deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing, there's that same word, their children and their own households. Well, these are character qualifications for anyone whose hands are laid on to become a leader of the local church. Whereas some would say that Paul's list of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is totally interchangeable with the list of spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 12, I would, I would argue against that. There's oftentimes this gift of administration, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so people automatically think that the gift of leading is the gift of administration. I would say be careful on that. I think there's similarities but they're certainly not exact. Matter of fact, the gift of administration listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is kybernesis, and it's a feminine term as opposed to a masculine term, and refers to the guidance, guiding something, or specifically the piloting of a ship. So there's similarities, but they're not exact. Now it's important because I think we can say that what? There's many different offices and areas, both officially or unofficially within the context of the local church, this gift can and should be exercised and used in. Teachers all over the place. Anyone who, in a sense, determines the direction of a classroom. Teachers can have this gift. Certainly ministry heads, those who are gifted with, with what? Organizing and motivating those who, in a sense, are, are visionaries, they see where the classroom needs to go. What are the objectives that we've set out to accomplish? What is the problem in young people today that they need the Word of God? Taken apart, explained to them, taught, put it back together. So they, what, move forward. But, but it says here that you're to, to lead with, with zeal. And many translations use the word diligence. If you're going to do this, then do it like this. Well, what exactly does it mean to lead with diligence? Literally, it's defined as careful 
and persistent work or effort. So you do this carefully, and basically it means what? To lead only after you've done your homework. You don't just jump in here, follow me, if you have no idea where you are going. When you know for certain, you've done your homework and you know for certain where you're going, that's the way that we are supposed to lead. I heard of a group of people on tour in Germany visiting the many sites of the Reformation, particularly where the Diet of Worms was assembled in the 16th century. And if you've ever been on a, on a tour group, particularly in another country or internationally, one of the biggest challenges with any tour group is staying together, okay? And what happened is there was lunch break and the group got split up and they got separated and one particular group got lost. They didn't know where to go. A young girl said, I, I know how to get back to the group. I know how to get back to the rally point. She said, follow me. I simply know the way. After walking for quite some time, it was very obvious that nothing looked familiar. And the entire group is totally lost. And someone asked her, are you, are, you, are you sure you know where you're going? She said, absolutely, yes, I'm sure. She walked less, less than half of a block, turned around and said, you know, I'm, I'm always sure, but I'm seldom right. And that, that's in a sense, sadly how a, a lot of people Whereas a leader who's, who's given the gift of leading leads with, with zeal, leads with diligence, what? She would have done her homework. She would have checked the map before everyone follows in line. Just yesterday, and I want to say thank you for your faithful prayers for us as pastors and elders who gathered to determine the direction and, and pray and, and dialogue over, like, what's next for Big Woods? God has blessed us with amazing body of believers, amazing tools. He's positioned us in a, in a, in a needy community at, at a most needy time. Because we sought and prayed together for what, what we could call, for lack of a better word, Vision 2030. Like, what's, what's next for us? You, you, can, you can be assured that what? This only happens after much prayer. After begging the Lord for wisdom. Why, why, why is there such weight? Why is there such significance? Because every single one of those men understand the responsibility that we have been given to watch for souls as those who will give account. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. There is great weight and responsibility on that. So we must always remember what? This isn't like, this isn't my church. That's not your church. This is the Lord's body. This is the Lord's bride. This is the Lord's flock. This is the Lord's church. Therefore, we are to lead it in such a way where what? The homework is done. Therefore, we lead in such a way to hold very tightly to the words that are etched in black walnuts in the end of the conference room that says what? We speak not to please man, but to please God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. You can rest assured 
if you are committed to speaking the truth of the word of God and you do this in love, you can rest assured you'll never win a popularity contest on that. It's just not going to happen. Therefore, what? The responsibility, again, to be in submission to the Holy Spirit. He is the one who leads. Therefore, it's never, ever, ever to be done in a controlling way, in a, in a dictatorial way, in a demeaning way. There's never to be leadership that is haughty or insensitive or arrogant. Rather, I believe that they should lead what? In humility, in a manner characterized as a servant. I don't want to be labor illustrations, but I think it's appropriate. One rainy day during the American Revolutionary War, George Washington rode up to a group of soldiers attempting to raise a, a wooden beam up to a high position, and the corporal in charge was shouting commands. But the soldiers couldn't get the beam in position. After watching their lack of success, Washington asked the corporal, why don't you join them? To which the corporal replied, don't you realize I am the corporal? Very politely, General Washington replied, I beg your pardon, Mr. Corporal, I did realize that. Washington dismounted his horse and went to work with the soldiers to get the oak beam in position. As they finished, they didn't even know who he was. General Washington wiped perspiration from his face and said, if you should ever need help again, call on General Washington, your commander-in-chief, and I will come. Th think at some level. True servant leadership looks what? Like Washington's leading his men, willing to get down into the mud, what, to serve for the greater benefits of the whole. Isn't, isn't that exactly what the king of all kings and the lord of all lords did? When he himself left the splendor and the glory of heaven to what? To the squalors of a smelly stable as a helpless, crying baby? Isn't, isn't that what God himself has done for us? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? So he could seek and save those who were lost. The ultimate servant leader... Turn with me to Matthew in chapter 11 and listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have, we have this idea of, of what true leadership looks like in the ultimate example for us. Matthew chapter 11 in verses 28 and 29 and verse 30. A leader says what? You come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my, my yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. There are many people gathered even here this morning who are weary and worn. There are many people, I talk to them every single week, who are anxious and they are angry about something. I don't know what it is, I'm just angry. There are people that are gathered here that are frustrated and are fearful. Therefore, I would would challenge every single one of us what? To follow the one. To get in line behind the one who says, you you come. You, You come to me. Jesus Christ himself says what? I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the real deal. Oh, no, no, you, you, could, you could follow Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormons. Hey, but wait a minute, let's check. He's dead. You could follow what the teachings, the false doctrines of Charles Taze Russell, who founded Jehovah's Witness. Hey, let's follow him. Let's come up with that. Idea. No, wait a minute, he's dead. Who wants to follow that? You, 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 could, you could follow uh, Muhammad. No, he's dead. Confucius, he's dead. How about Muhammad Gandhi? He's got great hair. Follow him. No, he's dead too. Follow Buddha. My two-and-a-half-year-old grandson saw an image of Buddha, and he says, Daddy, isn't that fat loser? He gets it. At some level, where Jesus, the ultimate leader, says, you follow me. I am the resurrection and the life. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Didn't Paul himself have what? He had what? The leadership ability and yet it was demonstrated with great humility. Paul himself says, follow me my example as I follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just, just think for a moment of the context of the local church designed by God where the Holy Spirit directs us to build up, to edify, and to glorify. And, and just think of the ones whereas certainly I think pastors and and elders and deacons and there's teachers this is a gift that can when spirit led watch watch Yvonne Buttville when she was leading um, vacation Bible school that is like that is like textbook Douglas MacArthur storming a beach right there it's a perfect picture Uh, personally I I have been blessed to, to have before me a good and a godly example of what a leader looks like in my own dad. And that's by grace alone. I didn't choose that. Just as many of you did not choose to have a father who you could not look at as a good or a godly leader. But I think God allows men to be but and women to be in a sense, dispersed throughout so that we all have an example and we speak about what that example looks like. 
my, my dad had not only the ability to, to make right decisions and good decisions quickly, but he, he did it in such a way that you wanted to follow him. You felt safe to follow him. In any setting that he arrived in life, in any chapter as the pages are turned, at some level, he just kind of worked his way up to the top to lead because that's how God has wired him. And that's what we are to be. If you've been gifted in this way, you listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to. If God has gifted you, you have a responsibility to use the gift that God has given to you and to exercise that. That always says if, if you are leading but no one's following, you're just taking a walk. It's great wisdom to that. So here it is, and I, and I know our time is really escaping. You may have the gift of leading, and you, I'll send these out to you later on because it's a lot of rating right now. You, you personally may have the gift of leading. If you are goal-oriented, you're able to solve problems through analysis. You're able to delegate because you very quickly can see, in a sense, the strengths and weaknesses of people. Good leaders will be able to read the room in a heartbeat. Important. Strengths, able to see the big picture. That's important. They're efficient, and they invest their time wisely. They, they clearly, what? Wasting time is the un, unprofitable servant of Luke chapter 17. They, they have the ability, I think good leaders have the ability to make adjustments. You know what it means to call the audible? To what? Make a change on the fly, to improvise. Especially on a moment's notice. Think of the general on the battlefield, the quarterback, the fighter pilot. Leaders generally handle pressure well. They're not going to be in a corner, okay, with their knees pulled up to their chest. Okay, they understand the responsibility. They'll, they'll be able to handle an exceptionally a, a large amount of weight and responsibility. That's what leaders are. God has gifted them to do that. With every single one of our gifts, every single one of our strengths, there's also weaknesses we have to be on guard for. They can easily frustrate others because they don't have the same vision. Be, be assured that a, a person who's gifted with the gift of leadership, okay, this idea of constantly conquering mountains can exhaust other people, can exasperate other people. Got to be careful with that. Another weakness is they, they can tend to put projects over people. I used to teach about how every person needed to have a personal prayer project of someone that they were praying for. And I thought that was good package. It was alliterated. And people were like, I'm, I'm not a project. I'm a person. I have to be careful about that. Another weakness is that you see um, any display of emotion as some kind of a weakness. Come on, we got, a, we got a war to win here. We got a hill to take. Careful on that one. God has created us with emotions, and we need one another. Thus the importance of having gifts of leadership balanced with other gifts. Fourth thing, finally, they can appear distant, unevolved, uninterested, because what? They're focusing on the goal. And so, like, you don't want to talk to him because he's going to... So be careful with that. This is totally different when we talk about 
how do I personally understand if I have this gift? Like, how do I test this? This one is totally different, I would say. Rather than, remember, if you want to learn how to swim, you got to get in the pool. You gotta, like, there's no other way to learn. Um, if you want to learn how to serve, you got to start serving. If you want to learn how to give, you got to start giving. I, 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 would, I would counter that a little bit on this particular one. How do I identify if I have this gift? First and foremost, just pray and ask other people if they've ever seen any leadership qualities in you. I think there's a, a good, safe place to start. You're not just going to jump in. And I would say, first and foremost, what? Look for opportunities to serve. You're not looking for an opportunity to stand in the front. You're looking for an opportunity to serve. Why? Because we know the best servants have always made the best leaders. Thirdly, don't ever be, if you feel that God is gift, don't ever be the traffic cop. Nobody wants to be around a know-it-all. You, you hold right here. You come, come, come. Whoa, 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 hold on. No, just, just stay away. That's just disastrous. Nobody wants to be around that. That's not servant leadership. Fourthly, and I know some people will Email me on this one. Get in the end of that really, really long line. Wait for those in authority to recognize your leadership and offer you or place you in authority. Again, that's not you forcing. It's not kicking down the door and pushing yourself to the front of the room. It doesn't do any good that way. God has designed us a, a, a body to function as a body. He is the head Therefore, everything we do is in submission to his authority. I know that's a lot. That's quick. I'll send you the notes out so that you have them. But may we understand what God is doing and what God, God desires to continue to do through the gifts and strengths represented. May we be faithful with what he's given to us, exercise all of our gifts for the good of others, building up the body, and for the glory of God. Father, we love you, and we admit the fact that we cannot, we cannot do this in our own strength. We need your help. Please steer us, direct us, stop us, help us to move forward how and when you like, so that the name of Jesus and the message of the gospel stays first and foremost. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.